Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. My friends, welcome to Praying for America. It's always so exhilarating to hear President Trump's voice and those rally cries for making America great again. The greatest country on earth. We got to make sure it stays that way. So welcome, and uh, I'm actually on the road. I'm uh, doing various work at uh, different pro-life events and conferences, but I didn't have so much studio time in these recent days, so I wanted to bring you tonight uh, this segment, as important as ever, from Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America, in regard to our freedom to speak. That's why I want to start with a Scripture here about the Word, God's Word from all eternity becoming flesh in time. We are Christian patriots, and so when we defend the First Amendment, this is not just a constitutional battle, this is a spiritual battle in as much as Jesus Christ is the Word spoken. So our freedom to speak is an aspect of our union with Christ, and I want to go into some specifics that that Mark Levin goes into uh, in the section on his book that deals with the First Amendment, uh, and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll really like it. It was aired some months ago, but it's very, very worth repeating, always as timely as ever. So let's go into the Word of God. Let's pray. And uh, feel free during the comments, by the way, to uh, add your prayer intentions, because as we pray for America, obviously that includes praying for one another. And let's put ourselves in God's presence. Here's how the Gospel of St. John begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let us pray. Lord, you have spoken a word. Father, your word is your Son. Your word is Jesus Christ. And we are the people of Christ. And we are Christian patriots. And Lord God, as we follow Christ, we speak the word. And we demand that government protect our right to speak that word. Lord, as we confront challenges from the outside that try to stifle our speech, free us from any obstacles on the inside that would stifle our speech. As we face the Democrats who want to shut down free speech from the outside, Lord God, protect us from cowardice, that shuts down speech on the inside of our hearts and souls and minds. As we have the courage to speak out and say what needs to be said, 
in our nation today, so may we protect our freedom to do so. Lord God, your word says that all things came to be because you spoke. And we know that the more we speak for freedom and for truth, for justice, for life, a new nation, a new chapter of our nation, a new level of greatness of America will arise. Because your word creates things. Your word purifies things. Your word elevates and renews all the face of the earth. Renew the face of our nation. May we, by speaking, bring about a new greatness for America. By your hand, by your gift, we pray through Christ our Lord, the Word of God. Amen. Okay, friends, so let me just share with you this clip about that section of Mark Levin's book on the First Amendment. Let's watch. chapter of Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America, be sure you have a copy. The, 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 the chapter that deals with the Constitution, and that's what we've been looking at in these days on this program, quotes, first of all, I want to show you this rather disturbing quote here from uh, the, uh, the late uh, Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, many, many disgraceful things she said and did. But here she says uh, on, a, on a TV interview in 2012, I would not look to the U.S. Constitution if I were drafting a constitution in the year 2012. Well, thanks be to God that nobody's entrusting you with the drafting of a constitution. I would not look to the United States Constitution? Really? Give me a break. I mean, this is, so, this is such offensive nonsense. The Supreme Court Justice to say something like that. That's why so, so many of her decisions were so despicable. Of course you look to the U.S. Constitution. Not only is it the greatest constitution in the world, there's a reason why we're the only country still operating under its original constitution. But my goodness, you swore an oath to uphold and defend it. As soon as she came to this conclusion that she spouted here in 2012, you should have run off the bench. Literally run. If there's a single judge, if there's a single legislator, I'm not just talking about on the federal level, on the state level too, they all swear an oath to uphold the one constitution of these United States. If there's a single one of them that wouldn't look to the constitution for the best constitutional principles, what, what, are, you, what are you doing remaining in office? What are you doing remaining in office? Be interesting to, to know, wouldn't it? Be interesting if there were some kind of survey of, of every public official currently serving, all of whom have taken an oath to defend the Constitution, to see the last time they read it, or to see how many of them have a pocket version of it. Well, when, there's just, when was the last time they read it? They took an oath to uphold it in all of their public service, so why wouldn't you want to read it once in a while? Good, simple barometer. Okay, so Mark says in their hatred for this Constitution, the Democrats are attacking four different things, and he puts a, a significant portion of the book onto each of these things, and I'm going to go through them too on this program. Tonight we'll just deal with the first one. 
But they are the First Amendment, the Supreme Court, the Electoral College, and the debt ceiling. These are four things that the Constitution deals with that we see orchestrated, outright, planned attacks on by the Democrat Party, which hates America and therefore hates the Constitution and therefore hates the First Amendment. So, again, four areas that they attack that we're going to explore. First one tonight. First Amendment, Supreme Court, Electoral College, and the debt ceiling. All right. The First Amendment. Again, you know, you look at these things and you got to say, all right, the Democrat Party is making these different kinds of attacks. We'll give an example or, or two or three. But it's like, what gives them the permission psychologically to, to do that? We've also got to look at, at ourselves and say, you know, like I said already here, the, the, the best way to defend our First Amendment rights is to exercise them without fear. We've got to make sure that anybody who decides to attack the First Amendment is greeted very immediately and very forcefully by a public, by an electorate, by a citizenry that is exercising that amendment vigorously. If we're not exercising our First Amendment rights, then we're just inviting the other side to attack us and to take it away. Why would not they not be emboldened to take away from us rights that we're not even exercising in the first place? Okay, so, but of course, many people are indeed exercising those rights with vigorous freedom and finding that the Democrats just don't care. They want to attack it. So first example given here is uh, SJ Resolution 19 that the Democrats introduced back in 2014 where they were trying, this is something they love to do, they were trying to restrict political speech. They love to do this. Set a cap on the amount of money that could be raised and spent uh, for political speech. And were this resolution to pass, vast swaths, to quote the book here, of uh, core political speech, much of it wholly unrelated to elections, would be restricted. This is Phil Kirpin speaking, president of the American, of American Commitment. Vast swaths of core political speech would be restricted. Now we know that our founders and the Supreme Court has upheld this numerous times, saw the freedom of political speech as key to our success as a constitutional republic, key to our resistance to tyranny. Because if you're resisting tyranny, and again, this is the broad framework to understand these discussions, then you're resisting the idea that one state would control, one, that one party would be a state party, that it would control uh, all means of communication, that it would therefore stifle opposition and, dis and silence dissent, uh, and that it would control thought and language. We've explored that already on this program. Well, that translates into this, of course, as we look at uh, the, the safety of uh, the uh, First Amendment. And the, the, the attacks, and this is not the only example that the Democrats would put on, on uh, political speech, affects nonprofit organizations too, like the ministry that I run, like ministries that I'm sure many of you operate, uh, that are trying to get the word out about God's kingdom, in our case, get the word out about the sanctity of life, 
And uh, that has to do with the uh, outcome of elections. We want to elect pro-life candidates. Our special election website is prolifevote.com. And uh, we have experienced directly this effort that so many other groups have experienced to uh, intimidate those who want to speak politically in the nonprofit sector as well as everywhere else. But I, I, we actually went, this was in the back in the time of uh, Lois Lerner, and this was, this was back a couple of decades where we were being very outspoken, as we are still, about um, pro-life in elections. And there came a point where, uh, and actually I'll tell you when it was exactly, after the victory in the 2004 elections, we got approached by the IRS and they said, we've got some questions as to whether you've crossed some lines here relating to uh, your um, tax-exempt status and your, the prohibition. This is the, uh, the Johnson Amendment, which is, uh, uh, which is in the uh, tax code and, and says to not-for-profit groups that they may not intervene in political races. So this isn't even any kind of extra thing that the Democrats are putting forward. This is just how they like to use inherently ambiguous and likely unconstitutional provisions like the Johnson Amendment, again, to silence dissent against their policies and against their politics. So they said to us, we need to see everything that you've said. We literally had to pack up boxes of tapes, uh, and I remember the old VHS uh, cassettes and some DVDs, and uh, send all these talks and, and sermons that I had given and, and homilies and whatnot uh, to, the, uh, to the IRS. Well, they went through all that stuff. This again, going back to like 20 years. They went through all that stuff, and then they came back and they told us what we already knew. You didn't violate anything, but they gave us a warning. You've got to be careful about A, B, and C, and don't, don't, don't be so overtly uh, political. We were proud to be able to go through that because we figured, you know, if we weren't pushing the envelope, if we weren't saying the things that needed to be said and that, and that uh, upset the other side because we were swaying people away from their in our case, uh, uh, addressing unrestricted abortion policies, well, then we weren't doing our job. And indeed, uh, we, uh, we, we underwent that battle. And uh, it's amazing, though, how, how many groups have directly pushed back against this Johnson Amendment. And this was something President, Cam uh, President Trump actually campaigned on, and he followed through when he was elected on saying, we are not going to enforce this Johnson Amendment because we don't want clergy to feel stifled. We don't want them to feel like freedom of speech stops at the doors of the cathedral or the synagogue or, the, or, uh, or any other uh, place where clergy are speaking. They, we, America needs their voice, President Trump said. And America does need the voice of the clergy. Um, now, the DHS put in place for a little while the Disinformation Governance Board, a panel designed to police misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. As I've explained to you, misinformation is, is uh, false information that gets spread unintentionally. Disinformation, it's spread intentionally with a, with a uh, uh, desire to do harm. 
and malinformation, true stuff that is spread with a desire to do harm. And, uh, but this didn't work out for the Biden administration, met with a lot of opposition. It was widely ridiculed. It was immediately scaled back and then shut down. But it shows the mindset of the Democrats. That's the point. It's not the role of government to sort out true from false information. That's not the role of the government. You let the American people speak and, and, and through honest and vigorous debate, public and private, you come to sort out truth from error. But the Biden administration continued trying to be, you know, the guardian of information in what Judge Terry Doty called the most massive attack against free speech in U.S. history. This was his recent decision in the matter of uh, Biden administration's communication with social media platforms to stifle free speech, to tell the platforms, don't post this, don't post that, this is false content, do something about that account, shut it down, let it have less reach, suppress these messages, and this had to do with things like the Hunter Biden laptop story and people's views about the uh, COVID-19, etc. And uh, this judge did a fantastic job um, in a decision issued on July the 4th. And let me just read a little bit of it. He said, um, plaintiffs allege that defendants through public pressure campaigns, private meetings, and other forms of direct communication regarding what defendants described as disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation have concluded with and are coerced social media platforms to suppress disfavored speakers' viewpoints and content on social media platforms. Plaintiffs also allege that the suppression constitutes government action and that it's a violation of plaintiffs' free speech. Because remember, this is crucial to understanding the First Amendment. It's a protection against government action, against your, not against private action, against government action suppressing your freedom to speak. Why was this government action? Because it was the Biden administration and the agencies of his administration putting the pressure on the social media companies. Social media companies were kind of caught in the middle of this, this government suppression. The judge went on to say the principal function of free speech under the United States system of government is to invite dispute. It may indeed best serve its high purpose when it induces a condition of unrest creates dissatisfaction with conditions as they are, or even stirs people to anger. Now, in the pro-life arena where I spend my full-time work and have done so for 30 years, I can tell you that so, so many instances where the meaning of the First Amendment comes into high relief and immediate experience for us. I remember one of many instances where I was with a group of peaceful, prayerful citizens exposing to the public what abortion is. Now, by the way, that's one of the most important avenues that we have uh, in our movement for persuading the American people that abortion is a bad thing. Just go to lookatabortion.org and you'll see what I mean. You've got to, you know, people think they have an opinion about abortion, but I always say America will not reject abortion. 
until America sees abortion. So we were engaged in a First Amendment uh, display of what abortion is on public property. It was on a boardwalk, actually, uh, on the East Coast, and we were this group of, of, of citizens walking up and down showing these pictures of abortion. And so what did uh, some of the local uh, people do? Well, they called the police on us. So the police officer arrives, comes to me, and um, says, uh, so, um, you know, some of the local businesses um, and residents are uh, getting quite upset and angry over uh, these pictures that you guys are showing. So my response to him was, um, yeah, I uh, thank you, officer. I, I, I knew that that was going to happen. I could have told you that myself. Is there anything I can help you with? Notice the, 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 the dynamic going on here. An enforcer of the law is coming up to me to tell me that the free speech message that I'm giving is making some people upset. What's the proper response of any American to that? Hey, hi, officer, what can I do for you today? That's the proper response. Because there's no issue that he raised. Oh, people are getting upset, people are getting angry. Yeah, and the sun sets in the West, too. What else do you want to know? If nobody were getting upset or angry or objecting to the message that we were conveying, why would it need the protection of the First Amendment? The whole idea, and Judge, Judge Doty is saying the same thing here, the whole idea of a constitutional amendment, the first one, protecting your speech, is that some people are going to get upset by it and try to shut you down. Why? Because they disagree with it. Why is that bad? Well, it's not bad. It's not bad that you disagree with them and they disagree with you. The whole thing is, the whole idea is that in America we air those disagreements so that through public debate certain issues can be resolved, issues which people, different people have different opinions about. What's the problem that somebody's getting angry and upset? The implication, and unfortunately this is how many citizens respond, and this is why I said at the outset, the best way to defend your First Amendment rights is to exercise them without fear. And you're going to exercise them without fear, not only by taking the position of faith that we outlined from the scripture passage we read, but also by having an informed understanding of what that First Amendment is, then unless we do that, we're going to have what the reaction of many Americans is, is, is to the implied message here, which was this. You see an officer of the law standing in front of you saying, hey, people are getting upset about your message. The implication being, because they're getting upset, keep quiet. Says who? Says who? I can tell you if people have a pro-abortion demonstration, I'm the one that's going to be getting upset. Does that mean I call the police on them so that they shut up? Or does that mean I then have my own demonstration to show people why they're wrong and I'm right on the issue? How does America work? You don't call law enforcement to shut down speech. Again, you don't call on law enforcement to shut down speech. And yet, whether it's with that SJ uh, Resolution 19 or whether it's with um, uh, 
wrong interpretations or unjust applications of the Johnson Amendment or any number of other tricks that they have up their corrupt sleeves, this is what the Democrat Party likes to do. Now, an officer talking to me at a little peaceful uh, demonstration about abortion is only a little microcosm of what they're doing now on a very large scale with the weaponization of government. And I want to bring to your attention again the uh, film Police State. Today, in fact, Friday the 27th, is the online premiere. Go to policestatefilm.net. It's the online premiere of a movie that Dinesh D'Souza, together with Dan Bongino, put together. Features my friend Mark Houck, the pro-life uh, peaceful demonstrator who, uh, whose home got raided by the FBI one, one peaceful morning with his children standing there and armed uh, agents at the door. I mean, this, absolute, this stuff is not American. And that's the point. It's not American. You've got freedom of speech. You don't use law enforcement to stifle speech because some people disagree with it and are getting upset. The fact that some people disagree with it and are getting upset is precisely why the First Amendment exists. So this judge told the Biden administration, hey, uh, cut it out. You got to stop communicating with the social media platforms, pressuring them in various ways to shut down speech with which you don't agree. You see how this turns out? Once you admit the principle a little bit, it, it grows and metastasizes. The Biden administration, the Democrat Party, doesn't agree with the speech of some Americans. So what? The fact that they exercise a, 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 a certain amount of political power doesn't give them the right to stifle dissent. But the fact that they're trying to do so is in and of itself an attack on the First Amendment. That, that's just the concept that we have to grasp here and help our fellow citizens to grasp. Judge, Judge Doty's decision was then appealed to the Fifth Circuit, and the Fifth Circuit basically upheld his ruling against the Biden administration in September. This is just this past September. The court found that some of the communications between the federal government and social media companies, quote, coerced or significantly encouraged social media platforms to moderate content. What in the world is the role of the government in that, to moderate content? You don't do that. The government is supposed, the state is supposed to be neutral when it comes to speech. It's not supposed to be spewing state propaganda. It's supposed to be defending the rights of citizens to have vigorous debate. Open, robust, free. I believed, therefore I spoke. American people are going to believe. They're going to believe in the sanctity of life. They're going to believe in the necessity of, 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 a, of, a, of a secure border. They're going to believe in a lot of things. And they're going to back the political candidates of their choice. And they're going to have to speak. And they've got to speak freely. This was appealed also to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court just accepted the other day this case. Missouri v. Biden is the name of it. So during this current 2023-2024, uh, during this 23-24 term, they are going to... Uh, Examine this more closely. I'm very confident they're going to they're going to uphold the kind of freedom of speech that uh, 
Judge Doty and uh, also this, the Fifth Circuit uh, saw as being threatened by this. The Supreme Court has been, been good on freedom of speech and religious freedom. Um, and uh, what they did do, however, at the same time was they lifted the injunction set by the lower courts. And so this allows the federal government to continue contacting these social media companies without restriction. Maybe, you know, and I don't think so, though. You would think that maybe the fact that this has now been accepted by the Supreme Court is going to put them on better behavior. But listen, they don't care. They don't care about anything. They don't care about the Supreme Court. That's going to be the other thing we're going to examine here. They're attacking the First Amendment. It's part of their attack on the Constitution. They attack the First Amendment. They attack the Supreme Court. And we're going to look at two other things, the Electoral College and the, uh, the, debt, the debt ceiling. Uh, Thomas and Gorsuch, you might uh, not be surprised, as well as Alito, the three of them dissented from the lifting of the injunction. They said, hey, we got we to gotta look at this case. And meanwhile, keep the injunction in place that the Biden administration, which has shown itself to be uh, disrespectful of the First Amendment, uh, should not be allowed to be communicating with these social media companies. And uh, Alito wrote the following words. Government censorship of private speech is antithetical to our democratic form of government, and therefore today's decision is highly disturbing, the decision to lift those injunctions. Well, the Supreme Court is still going to consider the case. Let's keep an eye on that. Missouri versus Biden. Keep an eye on it. We'll be commenting on it, of course, as things develop. This is part of saving America. This is part of praying for America, praying for the protection of our freedom of speech. And once again, my theme the best way to, to defend your First Amendment rights is to exercise them without fear. I am ever grateful to Mark Levin for giving us what is one of the most important educational tools for the election of 2024. We have to overwhelm this process with our votes and get all the Democrats out of power. And I'm speaking literally, all the Democrats out of power. That's it. We've had enough. So we'll continue on this theme, and uh, let's go back to prayer now. We want to join together all your prayers and intentions. Thank you to those of you that left prayer intentions in the comments. But we include you all and all the intentions that remain in our hearts as we offer together now the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining me on Praying for America. Connect with me across all the social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone. That's FR Frank Pavone. Thanks for what you do. Let's keep doing it together. Let's make America great again. Talk to you tomorrow. Hello. I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves.
We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.